From Washington, this is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. It is early in the 116th Congress, but already one of the favorite topics of lawmakers incoming is about lobbying. Here to walk us through it is our friend Julian Ha from Hydric and Struggles. It's been a, a long year since you have been uh, in in the chair over there, uh, Julian. Welcome back to Political Theater. Thank you so much having for having me back. It's wonderful to have you. And we're also joined by our CQ Roll Call colleague, Kate Ackley, who knows a thing or two about lobbying herself. Your specialty is sort of the job search, I think, also for, for a lot of uh, lobbyists or lobbyists, people who want to be lobbyists. It's it's interesting, you know, this is, especially after an election, there's a bumper crop, and especially if there are a lot of people lose, perhaps unexpectedly, uh, as, as some did. Do lobbying firms, uh, do the people who you, um, you know, you're, you're you're looking for for a job to place jobs and so forth, and to recruit. Are they do they just have the pick of the litter right now? Is this a really good time to be hiring uh, a, a a crew of uh, of lobbyists? Well, look, I, I think um, my phone started blowing up uh, not just around election time, but uh, throughout the year last year because mm-hmm. I think a lot of former now former members uh, decided to to opt out or felt that they had been redistricted out of uh, a seat, and so that that trickle just continued through the year, I would say, in 2018. Personally, I focus on not only helping um, some K Street firms, but also in-house corporations with uh, advocacy positions, Mm -hmm. as well as trade associations. So those are the three pools uh, of demand, if you will, that I try to uh, cater to. Um, So yes, I think there are a lot of members out there. Uh, Some have landed, some have not, and uh, that's what we try to sometimes help them with. One of the things that um, I've, I've been sort of fascinated by uh, is in, in trends, it seems that the like lobbyists always get a kind of a, a bad rap, you know, I mean, for, for a very small number of, of bad actors like, you know, Jack Abramoff, you know, who's like well in the rearview mirror and so forth. But it seems that that Washington seems to contend with, you know, the, the this image of the swamp uh, and lobbyists. Uh, Kate, do you think that this has gotten worse uh, when, in the era of Trump, who talks about draining the swamp, you know, it, it, perhaps with even more fervor than his predecessors? Or, or is it about the same from your perspective? Well, Trump did not drain the swamp, first of all. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> well, he talks about it, though. How, I don't how's know. That, He's you know? not talking about it as much as he, he did. He talked about it as a candidate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it seems like he, he welcomed a lot of the swamp into his administration, which mm-hmm. he, he would not be the first at all. I mean, that was, uh, you go back to the George W. Bush administration, and we tracked a lot of former lobbyists who went into the administration. And there are pros and cons of bringing in people from K Street. You know, they have a lot of depth and expertise. so. Explain these <laughs> concepts, depth and expertise. <laughs> policy depth, <laughs> policy expertise. So uh-huh. it's not it's not like to say, you know, that lobbyists are serving in the administration. It should, you know, be demonized in, in all respects. But it is, you know, noteworthy that he has uh, given his rhetoric on the campaign trail about draining the swamp, really welcomed people from the swamp in. Um, I will say that one of the things that has been uh, generating, I think, the most controversy uh, in the lobbying field is the the foreign agents, the foreign lobbying that has really come under the spotlight. I'm sure Julian has been following this as well um, as a result of the special counsel probe. 
Uh, we've seen several people plead guilty to unregistered foreign lobbying. Uh, this is really unprecedented. So Paul, Paul Manafort and, and his crew, you know, were were basically, you know, mm-hmm. pled as part of their plea deal, said that they were lobbying on in without being registered. And we right? saw the yeah. collapse uh, of a firm, the Podesta Group, mm-hmm. um, also related to that. There were some other things going on at, at the Podesta Group, but that was really at the, at the center of that uh, implosion of the firm. Uh, so I think that the foreign lobbying has been something uh, that ha- has received unprecedented attention in the Trump era. I think that's a great point, Kate. I mean, I've been following that a little bit as well on the foreign registration side. And I think, if anything, that this is a, sort of a wake-up call. I think firms are really getting their acts together, and they're being extra, extra vigilant. I think it's keeping a lot of compliance lawyers busy to, to make sure that uh, their clients are, um, are registering you know, when they need to and, and being very careful about that. Foreign governments have long sought to influence the United States Congress or United States policy toward them. So, they, I mean, they, they have long had people you know, that they've paid to advocate for their interests. I mean, are we seeing some sort of uptick uh, in, in this? You know, we'll see something about, you know, somebody registering uh, as a foreign agent, but is, is there just some sort of wide scale, like upscale, you know, like upswing in, in foreign lobbying? There's more focus on the registration process because of the special counsel probe. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that in the House Democratic uh, package, the overhaul package of campaign finance, voting rights, um, you know, lobbying, uh, ethics, they have this whole package they're calling mm. HR1. That's right. a overhaul of all this stuff. Um, and in there are some changes to the Foreign Agents Registration Act, including giving the Justice Department uh, more power to investigate um, unregistered lobbying and things like that. So I, I think it's not that that foreign governments are doing more uh, in terms of influence campaigns. It's that there's more focus on, are people following the law? Mm-hmm. Because you're, you know, you're, you're placing people, you're helping recruit people for, for employment. I mean, like one of the things you have to contend with too is that for lawmakers, they have, they're banned from directly lobbying uh, for their colleagues for, you know, for, for varying lengths or if they're coming out of an administration. So th- does that create kind of a headache or, or you know, or, or does that, you know, is, is that something that people are also having to really pay attention to or do they just sort of get a, get an office and they do sort of consulting within the firm <laughs> and unlobbyist as uh, Kate has, 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 has like deemed that. them in, in the, in the past. Yeah, I think that's right, Jason. I think, um, you know, most of the, the buyers of, of these members um, and, and their services are going to understand what the restrictions are going to be, right, around these folks. And as such, um, they will, you know, make sure they are able to work around that. And, and you're right, often folks who have restrictions on their ability to advocate um, will have a, a mechanism to advise their clients, but not directly have to pick up the phone. And that's how it's always been, and that's how it always shall be, I believe. One of the things that I, I'm sort of struck by, too, is that the, the, the right to lobby the government, the right to seek redress uh, for, for, you know, what, what you believe in or a grievance and so forth, I mean, that's right there in the Bill of Rights <laughs> next to freedom of the press and freedom of religion. I rarely see lobbyists or, or trade associations or, or, you know, like sort of exercises. I mean, uh, you know, I mean, they, 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 they rarely seem to try to make it about uh, that this is a noble pursuit. Is that uh, just uh, a modesty or do they just like, you know, just want to keep their heads down and just do their work? I, I mean, I, 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 I'm with Kate. I think, um, you know, I've been in this business for over a decade now. 
I've had the pleasure and honor of meeting some extremely, extremely smart, capable, ethical, highly ethical folks, right? So I'm, I'm proud to uh, focus in the area that I do. Um, of course, there are um, outliers in, in any industry, mm-hmm. um, and I think those are the ones that unfortunately sometimes get the spotlight. But I would say, you know, 95% of the, uh, at least the talent and the candidates and the folks that I have the pleasure of, of coming across and sometimes uh, helping place are extremely knowledgeable about policy. That's what they're passionate about, whether it's healthcare, financial services, technology. That's how I see it, and that's why I'm, you know, it, for me, it's, it's, a, it's an honor to represent some of our clients. And our clients, again, trade associations and corporations and sometimes K Street firms, they're looking for that integrity as well. I mean, they're looking for that kind of a brand to represent either themselves directly or their clients. And part of that will be um, knowing that they've got the right Rolodex, they've got the right relationships, uh, but that only gets you in the door, right? The rest has to be substance and, and knowledge around the issues and the, uh, the industry that they're representing. Kate, have you have you noticed, you know, in you know, specifically in the last couple of years, a different approach that lawmakers are responding to, just in in your own reporting on on lobbying? I mean, like the the because it seems that one one thing that we're everybody seems to be a little bit more focused on is social media, and how quickly you know you can build momentum for some sort of political or policy change through social media. Has that affected, I mean, when, when you, through your reporting, what do you, what do you see there? Yeah, it's absolutely transformed lobbying. One of the things, especially in the, since the beginning of the Trump administration, we've seen this rise of activism on the progressive and the liberal side. And often that is directed basically against corporate clients. And so that's a new part of the equation that um, lobbyists have to contend with. You know, there in the beginning of the Trump administration, we can remember the president tweeting uh, his dissatisfaction at corporations that were going to move jobs overseas or things like that. You know, companies had to be ready to get called Carrier out. Carrier and, and yeah, and, you know, and uh, that, that hasn't Ford, been that think, ha- yeah. right. That hasn't been happening as much. But now what we've seen, and I think we're going to see more of it in this Congress, is uh, the House Democrats looking to basically shine the spotlight on things that they see as, uh, you know, evidence of corruption or, um, you know, inappropriate undue influence on the administration, but looking at it through the lens of of companies. So whether it's, um, you know, prescription drug prices, practices like that, I think you're going to see a spotlight continue to be on corporate America um, on a number of these things. And so that's that's a new element. Uh, it's not, you know, the first time, but it's a new part of the equation. And then with social media, you can see uh, folks just mobilize and get activated uh, almost in- instantaneously. Go ahead, Julia. No, I was just going to say, I think certainly for every search that we conduct in the advocacy space, um, the, the question comes up in terms of that person's uh, record and knowledge of sort of the digital social media mm-hmm. uh, milieu, right, in terms of how to use, use I love utilize that. that. I love oh, that I, word I, I had to drop that <laughs> SAT word. Um, <laughs> but they, they really need, do need to understand how those tools um, mm-hmm. can be integrated as, as part of that toolkit. And while they may not be a chief digital officer by background, they, they, we do probe on how they've used um, social media tools and other grass tops, grassroots, um, you know, mechanisms to be able to uh, mobilize uh, at least a corporation's, uh, you know, sort of interest. Do you think that there is in within the industry, Julian, there's a there's a hierarchy of what people see as prestige, whether they want to, you know, 
do they look upon trade associations or corporations or the kind of these white shoe firms on on K Street? Is there is there a is there a pecking order that, that some people you know say like, well, we want to place this person or we want to get hire somebody, but they're like, well, you have to talk them out of taking a trade association job or something like that. Is <laughs> do you run into these kind of issues of the pecking order? I, the answer to that depends on the perspective of of who we're talking about in terms of how they perceive the pecking order, right? Mm-hmm. So if we're looking at members or former members. Um, I think in their minds, they probably would place trade associations, you know, plumb substantive trade associations at the top of their lists. Mm -hmm. Um, That's often what they bring up when I sit down with them and and they say, hey, what's out there, Julia? I think that's because they see that as a a way to run something, right, to really be able to... um, you know, continue the, 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 the sort of the, the platform they've had as a member of, of Congress. But right below that would be perhaps a either a, a K Street gig, um, which allows them, again, a platform to conduct, you know, writing or, or speeching, uh, speeches or sitting on boards in addition to their advocacy work. Uh, and then I really haven't seen that many former members going into the corporate world, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, I was just trying to think of anyone, and I'm sure there has been one. But you, I, yeah. I think most of them want the best trade association jobs, the ones mm-hmm. that pay, you know, three million dollars a year. But those are also the hardest jobs, and trade associations, are, are you know, are in the midst of their own disruption with, uh, you know, consolidation in the industries and whatnot. And those are not easy jobs. And <laughs> not, not everyone's going to work at the Chamber of Commerce. And, and I'll be very <laughs> right. honest. I, I think, and I've right. told. You know these these folks when they, when we sit down that you know the, the reality is there's been a shift in terms of the 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 attraction of a former member whether it's a governor cabinet official senator congressperson <laughs> to be at the very top of of their you know search committee wish list. Do, um, do, you, do you get this uh, phenomena almost of people saying, "Don't you know who I am?" Like <laughs> kind of like being at the airport. Don't you know who I am? And you're like, yeah, you're a backbencher from like. Idaho. Who cares? Like, we want John Boehner. Well, there's only one John Boehner. Well, so. then look, look at all <laughs> right. the committee chairs <laughs> right. who left, who retired at the end of the last Congress. And not all of them have landed jobs that we know of. Well, I mean, and I wonder if some of this is just the lack of um, experience that we're seeing showing up in Congress itself. I mean, we're, you know, the, the Congress is, is undergoing, like like the rest of the country, like the rest of the world, a huge demographic shift. It's younger. Uh, it, it's more diverse. And so you don't have people who have necessarily been there like, um, you know, I mean, John Dingell died last week. And, and you know, he's, he's somebody who was uh, a part of Congress for 60 years. And even before that, he was at the Capitol Page School. He knew everything and chaired the most powerful committee in the House, Energy and Commerce. Those the people who are chairing energy and commerce have done it for like three terms now, <laughs> and, and and so maybe they're not going to be as attractive as as somebody like that has had decades of experience. Is that? Is I that think that's right, and and some of them don't necessarily look to that as as a career path either. They they're looking to uh, do something else, or or you know punch that ticket and, and and move on, and not necessarily go into the trade association. So I think it's mutual. I think. Trade associations have uh, looked beyond just the former member, and, and members are looking beyond trade associations. What are some of the biggest stories that we, we should pay attention to, Julian? <laughs> and oh, this, this is our, we're we're uh, mining you as a, uh, as a tipster right now uh, on, on air. Uh, but, I mean, you know, we, uh, you know, Kate is, uh, is, is, is only one person. Uh, and uh, so we, we uh, as, as far as, like, zeroing in on lobbying, what are some of the, the under-the-radar stories that maybe we should think about? 
oh gosh, you're telling me to tell tales? <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily tell tales, although we'll take those. I, uh, I, I, look, I, I would say that in general, it's um, it, it's been a fairly robust um, climate for top advocacy roles, both in-house as well as trade associations. Um, I think when I was here last, I said, you know, so the environment's a little constipated. Uh -huh. um, I think it's moving again, if I can put it that way. I, I uh, love potty humor. Uh, uh, there you go. There you theater. go. So do my kids. Um, <laughs> And, uh, and look, I, I think Hay Street's always been robust because there is a home for folks, former members, let's say, who have served in senior leadership positions, who've been more than a three-term backbencher, right? Mm -hmm. I think those folks will always be attractive. You know, those closest to the sun king or queen mm -hmm. uh, in leadership on the Hill are going to be sought after uh, for their knowledge, for their relationships, uh, for their uh, assistance in navigating, right? And, uh, again, for K Street. I think for in-house, uh, we've seen a, a number of organizations who've uh, who've elected to start up some of these functions. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they call it corporate affairs, where it encompasses not only government relations but uh, other components like a foundation or communications. Uh, so again, to, to Kate's point, more holistic kind of approach, right? You know, the digital strategy as well. So we, we're seeing sort of an expansion of that role to include government relations at its anchor but taking into these other components so that an organization, or whether it's a trade association or a corporation, has a more unified approach to advocacy. We mentioned, or I mentioned John Boehner, uh, you know, that he, he, you know, as the former speaker, he kind of had his, you know, his pick, if you will, because anyone would love to have somebody like Boehner, um, you know, working for, for them. Uh, we have another former speaker now, <laughs> Paul Ryan, uh, left. Uh, Julian, you got any uh, gossip about where he may be heading? My, my, my sources have been uh, very actively telling me that he's still considering his options. Um, and, and who knows, may, maybe his political career is not over, right? There may be a second act here. Uh, he's got a long runway. So I, I would say uh, watch that space. I, I, I would guess that the, one of the telltale signs would be uh, whether he has a beard or not, because uh, that was always the thing of, you know, if he's, he said he wanted to go hunting and just be in his deer stand with his beard and so forth. And you know, as, as no, you normally don't show up to a job interview with a beard, even if you're the speaker, former Speaker of the House. <laughs> so let's keep an eye on his facial growth. Okay. <laughs> well, Julian, uh, Kate, thank you so much for, for talking about the, the state of lobbying 2019. Uh, and, and Julian, will, uh, we, we will make this a regular practice, if you will, because it's always good to hear from you on this topic. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, you can visit RollCall.com or you can find us on Twitter at RollCall. Thank you for listening.